I want to take a moment and thank Pastor Corey and Aaron, even though they're not here. Uh, they're great friends of ours. We love them dearly. I, I, I'm not quite sure what to read into it when they invite me to come when they're not here. Like, we'd love to have you just as long as we're not there. It sounds really great. So we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, maybe have a little group therapy and try to sort it out. But uh, I feel honored to be here, truly. Uh, I, I pastor a church in Vancouver, as Tyler said. It's called Vivid Church. During the, uh, the pandemic, we also are pioneering a church in Toronto. So I'm back and forth in between services here. I just talked with our, our location pastor in Toronto. So if you know people in uh, either Vancouver or Toronto, please uh, let me know. We would love to, to connect with some people and love on some people that way. As Tyler said, I do have a pretty sizable family, okay? Pretty sizable. I have eight kids. My oldest is 18. My youngest is one. And uh, there are no twins in there. It's just, you know, consistent. Uh, we've got four teenagers, four not yet quite teenagers. And, uh, you know, we're working it through. We're having a great time. When you have a big family, people tend to feel the confidence to just ask you whatever they want. They're like, you chose something unique. So now I can, I can try to just blast you. And, uh, and so I've, I've grown pretty accustomed. Usually for guys, the first question is, what do you drive? You know, like just trying to think of that logistically. Like, so you, you don't get to have any fun in your vehicle, do you? It's like, I actually, we, we drive a Chevy Express van. I look like a tradie. And, uh, and then, but, but I actually commute for, for financial reasons on a moped. And, uh, and so, man, I put, I put no value in, in my wheels, okay? That's not where my confidence comes from. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, when you got a lot of kids, this is probably after the vehicle question, People, like, before we've even engaged in conversation, like, as we're approaching, they'll kind of walk up, do this, and they go, oh, Catholic? <laughs> and it's like, there's, a, there's maybe a little question mark on the end, but it's pretty much just, it's an assumed reality, right? But people go further than that. They, they ask things like this. All the same mom? <laughs> now, just imagine with me for a moment if that were not the case. And we're just outing, you know, well, mostly, you know. No adopted, you know. It's like, shh, as we cover one of their ears. But truly, no adopted. I know someone in here was wondering. It was trying to, to piece it together. But, 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 but here, here's one of the ones that I think, how dare you? They go, were they all planned? <laughs> Imagine, like, well, let's start from the beginning. Yes, yes, kind of. Oops, what were we thinking? What? For real? No. <laughs> this is my favorite one, though. They think that, you know, they got me on the ropes. They're like, Catholic. Uppercut, you know, they're coming in. They got me backing up on the ropes. They're like, were they all planned? And then they, they think, here's my finishing blow. I got him right where I want him. He's up against the ropes. They're like, you know how that happens, right? <laughs> And I can see it in their eyes every time, this excitement, they're like, I'm the first person to ever think of this clever zinger. But I'm not about to be outdone. I just look back at them with confidence and a smile and I say, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I just hold eye contact until they slowly kind of lurk away. You know, it's interesting when you, when you have kids, you know, People say this, like, do you keep all their names straight? And I'm like, yeah, about as successful as someone with two kids does. Because as soon as you have the second, Steve, Jim, Josh, Johnny, D Daniel, what did we name him? You know, trying to piece it together. But, but I have unique desire. It's okay, you can just say that. I have unique desire for each of my kids' future. They, they are nurtured. Similar, people say, wow, you must have all these great systems and, and treat your kids all the same. No, I love my kids, so I don't treat them the same. Right? I love them equally, so I treat them uniquely. Like, like, like I've, my daughter Sophie, she loves to be coached. Sophie's a great athlete. She gets off the floor. She, you know, she says, Dad, what can I do better? I'm like, Soph, your teammates are cheering for you. Your coach dapped you up. Crowd's cheering for you. Yeah, but what can I do better? You were the leading scorer. I know that, Dad. What can I do better? It's like, just cut to the chase. I don't need the little sandwich. I just want the goods. It actually expresses love to her when I coach her that way. 
But if I, if I talked that way to Gwyneth, she would just crumble. My daughter Gwyneth, she's like, Dad, can you just put it really gently? Gwyneth, you're the most amazing person ever. I can't even think of anything. I guess if I could think of one thing, it would be this. But really, truly, you're the most amazing. That's how she wants it delivered. Why would I treat them differently? Because I love them equally. In the very same way, God has a plan for your life that's unique for his plan for my life. Like he has a future in store for you that's a little different, a little nuanced than, than the future he has for someone else. But it is the same in this regard. Because he loves you equally, God's desire is for you to be fruitful. He has a plan and a purpose that your life would have legacy. That your life would have impact. That your life would, would not just be a process of existence, but you would really, truly live. He wants to bear fruit in your life. That's why Jesus could say in John chapter 15, that if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear fruit. He says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of us have been declaring that over our life for a, for a little bit now. I just can't do anything. Guess what? When you say that, it's actually true. I, I, I'm not going to give you a motivational speech. No, you can do it. You are the best. I'm just going to coach you today. That's truth. The Bible says that apart from God, we can't do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. With God, we bear fruit that lasts. With God, our life becomes incredibly fruitful. And it gives glory to God, which he in turn blesses us, which we become more fruitful. It gives more glory to God. It's just an incredible reciprocating process that takes place. Why? Because he loves us equally. He treats us uniquely. You know, the, 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 the job of, of the branch is just to remain connected to the vine. Every fruit tree in the world, there's not a single fruit tree that you could find a branch somewhere that's stressing out. Going, oh, Oh man, I've been working hard to become more fruitful. Oh, finally a peach to prove that I matter. That's not what branches do. Branches simply remain connected to the vine. God wants you to be fruitful. All summer long, we've been in a series at our church about fruitfulness. We've talked about love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Today, in both our locations, we're talking gentleness. Next week, we're talking self-control. This is a, a multifaceted depiction that the Bible gives of what a life of the Spirit begins to look like. Now, now you will note, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. If it were individuated fruits, you and I could say, you know what? Seven out of nine's not bad. Bees get degrees. I'm good with that, you know? I'm doing really good in most of them. I just don't love people and I'm not kind. But it's okay, because I'm at peace with that, okay? I'm at peace with, with where I'm at. We could begin to grade ourselves and say, why would I focus on my weakness? Because I'm just going to look at my, my strengths. But the truth is, this is, is more like taking a life of the Spirit and looking at it in different angles. Looking at it from different perspectives. Knowing that, God's desire is, is for the fruitfulness in your life. He has a plan for you that's incredibly good. In Philippians, it says that He works in us according to His good pleasure. God gets excited about your future. Like my, my kids are pretty excited about their future. I'm more. I care more about it. My, my son, my son Arrow, he's 10 years old. That's right, I named him Arrow. Because the Bible says that uh, children born in your youth are like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. And so I basically called myself a warrior when I named him Arrow. It's great. And Arrow, he's talking, he's like, Dad, so when I'm in the NBA... If I, if I get drafted by the Clippers, would you become a Clippers fan? My arrow, that's going to push my faith real hard, buddy. But for you, even that. He, he's got plans, ideas of what his future might hold. But I actually am deeply invested in his future. In the same manner, God cares about your fruitfulness. So as we've talked these through, I, I've landed on... Uh, faithfulness. Today I want to share about faithfulness. This is not a, a guest speaker message. This is just the way that I would talk in my church. So I'm going to kind of pretend I'm at home. Is that okay? Can we just be at home today and be family today? I want to, I want to share with you some thoughts on faithfulness. In fact, I'm going to give you four. If you're taking notes, you could write these down. If you're not taking notes, might be a great week to start. I don't know. Be talking uh, about, about faithfulness. Now, you can't talk about faithfulness without talking about faith. 
The two are intrinsically connected. In fact, the Bible uses the same word to describe both. Meaning that in the process of faith, the role that God plays is in faithfulness. The role that I play is in a response to his faithfulness. Does that make sense? You see, in the Old Testament, the, the word most often used for faith or faithful is this word amen. Amen means the pillar around a doorway, the pillar upon which things are built. We see in this room, we've got some defining pillars. These are not just aesthetic. This was not just an artistic feng shui design. There's actually a structural purpose is what holds the, the building up. And this is a faithful pillar. We, we, don't, we don't come in on a Sunday morning and go, wow, still here. We built it that way. It's intended to be that way. You know, yesterday I got, uh, had the honor of officiating a wedding. A young couple in our church, beautiful young couple. And, uh, and so I officiated the wedding. I was able to stay till the, the end of the, the main course. And then I had to slip out to the airport. It's okay, I don't have a sweet tooth, so I was fine missing the dessert. But uh, that's why I was so delayed. And Tyler was so graciously uh, waiting for me. And, uh, and, and the, the groom said this to me. It's probably the greatest compliment anyone's ever given me. It might not sound that way to you, though, but, but it, it, it did to me. He goes, Pastor Justin, man, you know, you're just like, you're just like a good chair. That's reliable. Like a good chair. Man, how, how good is a good chair? I was like, Santino, that's the greatest compliment I think I, that you could, you could give me. Like, just forget I'm here. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to be stable. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be steadfast. In the New Testament, the word uh, used is, is uh, from the, the Greek word pitho, which means to convince or to be convinced. Meaning the role God plays is convincing us. The role we play in faith is a letting him convince us. That's why Paul could say in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, I have become convinced. And I'm persuaded that God is able to keep that which he has committed unto me. Against that day. Like I've just become convinced. The more I look at God, the more I say, why would I not trust God? We sang about it today. The God I know is known for faithfulness. He goes, I just keep looking at God and who am I to not have faith? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, faith is a response to faithfulness. It's a response to faithfulness. Faith is not just something that some people are born with and others aren't. Wow, that person's got a lot of faith. They are responding to faithfulness. They are focusing their attention on the, the, the character of God. He's like a pillar that does not move. He's incredibly convincing in his nature. So much so that they're developing and growing a confidence when it would seem unreasonable to be confident. It's faith responding to faithfulness. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says this. Proverbs chapter 3, starting at verse 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, it might be a great opportunity to lean into the person beside you and figure out why they chose to sit beside you anyway. Here we are. Check this out. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and uh, in verse 3, it says this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. It says bind them around your neck. Your neck is where communication takes place. You're not making any noise. I, I had a, a vocal surgery a few years ago because I had a cyst on my vocal cord. It, and the, the process was such they had to cut it off and they said, you cannot move your throat for a week. You can't clear your throat. <clears throat> you can't whisper. You can't do anything. Just be quiet. It was a challenge, <laughs> especially parenting kids. I was like typing it in and then letting my phone, like, arrow, stop hitting your brother. You know, he's like, okay, phone. <laughs> this is where communication takes place. God is saying this. How do you grow in faith? Talk about his faithfulness. How do you grow and develop faith? Just begin to speak about what God has already done. Speak to the situation that is headed to you about what God has already done in the past. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck and write it on a tablet of your heart. That's where your courage lives. Don't put your confidence, don't put your courage in, in your own effort. Don't put your confidence or courage in, in other people coming through and things just working out just right. Please don't manifest to the universe and ask the universe to care. No, no, put your courage in the Lord. 
And so then, then the, the application is this. Lean not on your own understanding. I've got this thing happening in my life right now. It might be because I turned 40 this year. I'm not quite sure. But for years, I have been saying that, uh, that, that I enjoy golfing. I'm just not a golfer. Because if I was a golfer, I've got to be good at it. Because I'm kind of competitive. It's actually the main reason I have eight kids. I met someone with seven. I'm like, oh, no, you did it. <laughs> the other day, I met someone with nine. I'm like, well, I've done nothing with my life. call my wife. We're back in the game. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy the, the, the process. About once a year I get out and enjoy golf, but this last summer I've kind of gone out a few times. I might be becoming a golfer. I don't know how it's happening. But, but hey, can I, can I have that club there? It kept falling down. I kept knocking it down. I made, that's about as successful as I am at golf. It's amazing. There's a lot of things that go into golf. I am learning something. Golf's hard. Maybe that's why I'm not a golfer yet. I don't want to oversimplify golf any more than I'd want to oversimplify a life of faith. But, but I do want to illustrate very simply one of the, the primary functions of living a life of faith. You see, to, to get entrance on a golf course, you need to wear the right things. That's, that's not the primary thing about golf. The collared shirt is not what makes golf. In, in order to play golf, you, you need equipment, and some people just, they overspend. Oh, my goodness. I was with a friend. He's like, yeah, I didn't like that drive. I'm going to buy a new one tonight. Like, your, your first response is blaming your equipment. Hey, okay. <laughs> Typical guy. And, and it's, it's not so much, you know, about things like that. One of the most important things is, is just in your, your stance. It's approaching every shot and determining, I'm going to begin by leaning away from this thing. And as I come through it, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to shift the weight. Right now, I'm away from my destination, but I'm going to shift my weight into it. It's a little bit counterintuitive. It kind of feels like if you just, you know, happy gilmore it might go quicker. But, but it's let the club do what it's supposed to do. Have, a, have some fluid motion and shift your weight from back to front. Now, someone you're watching, like, that guy needs golf lessons. No, I don't. I'm not a golfer. Okay, I just enjoy golfing. I don't need lessons to give a lesson, okay? Now, the, re the only reason I brought a club is I just didn't want to be the annoying phantom golf guy. You know that guy at work, right? You're talking like, we need third quarter quarterlies. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, he's like lifting up grass that doesn't exist, going, you know, just the whole thing. Like, okay, tiger, you know, we're good. But it's really about shifting our weight off of, of, of ourselves and onto God. We start with a lean away from our destination. And we go, no, no, a person of faith doesn't lean away from, they lean into. It, it, it's like sometimes in our prayer, we show how little faith we have. We're like, God. I would be happy to share my faith. Now, all I need from you is if, you know, I could have a sign. Like maybe a hippopotamus could fall from the sky wearing a ballet tutu. And they could, you know, come over to me and then in perfect French explain to me what I, and then I'll do it. Because I'm just that kind of guy. I'm full of faith. But, 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 but a lean of faith would say, God, I'm going to just obey everything I see in the word unless... You send a hippopotamus from the sky wearing a ballet tutu who speaks perfect French. I'm just going to lean into it. Now, a person of faith ha has become more and more comfortable with this motion. So there's almost like a muscle memory to it. They're like, oh, yeah, I just I have learned to speed the, the process of leaning away from to leaning into. You want to increase your speed. It's not different equipment necessarily. It's not a different colored shirt. It, it's you just need to learn to increase that speed, the weight transfer that takes place. You see, faith is a response to God's faithfulness. Is I, I look at God's faithfulness. Why am I asking him to keep convincing me? I'm just going to believe him. I'm going to take him at his word. And what you'll see is, is in the book of Lamentations. It says that God's mercies are new for you every morning. Great is his faithfulness. This morning when you woke up and you were not even looking pretty yet. 
and you hadn't had the first, second, or third coffee just yet. <laughs> God chose you. In fact, he was thinking about you while you were sleeping. He doesn't sleep or slumber. And you woke up today going, oh, I wonder how today's going to be. And God goes, today's going to be great. We're going to do this thing together. And be, as you look at the, the faithfulness of God, the compassions that he shares new every morning, and you're going to say, why would I ask God to convince me every single day that he loves me? Why am I playing a game of he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me He lo based on, on my circumstances. He chose me today. Great is his faithfulness. As you look at the faithfulness of God, you'd see in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, it says that God is strengthening us according to his faithfulness. Not only is he showing compassion, we might get it wrong and think compassion is soft or weak. Compassion's strong. And God's got so much strength, he, he gives it to us. I'm going to share something. This might blow your mind, okay? I have a finite resource financially. In fact, sometimes it's very, very fine point. And so if I spend or if I give, I actually have less. Makes sense, right? I have eight kids. I live in Vancouver. You should see us grocery shop. People come like, do you run a group home? I'm like, kinda. <laughs> kinda. We've graduated to, we're now a two buggy family. Okay, I can't go, I, I do all the grocery shopping. I can't do it alone. I need to bring a kid because we are a two buggy family now every single week, okay? Finite. But God is infinite. When he gives strength to us, he's not depleted in any sort of way. It's not like he reached his daily quota and goes, sorry, come back tomorrow when I've got more compassion to share. He's just incredibly consistent and faithful. He's like a pillar that you can build on. And his faithfulness is convincing us of his character, of his nature. You would see if you looked in 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that God is sanctifying us by his faithfulness. That means he's making us better. Oh my goodness, he didn't just choose us where we're at. He goes, I love you too much to let you stay that way. I'm making you better. And that's according to his faithfulness. And so things that used to be issues are not issues anymore. Why? Because God's faithful. Things that used to trip us up just don't trip us up anymore. Why? Because we work harder? No, because he's faithful. He's sanctifying us. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says that God's trustworthiness to his covenant is linked to his faithfulness. In Isaiah 25, 1, I got to read this one for you. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 1. Is this okay? We're good? We're good? Okay. Awesome. Uh, 25, 1, it says this. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you've done wonderful things that were planned long ago. When was the last time you got lost in wonder? When was the last time you found yourself saying, God, like, he's just wonderful. He's amazing. Isn't it funny how we use words like good flippantly? Oh, it's good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. <laughs> or we use words like good even to describe things that aren't good. How was the restaurant? It was good. Not very convincing. But my, my God. My God, he's not just good. He's wonderful. Man, he's done wonderful things. That he was planning before you were thinking about them. That he had an intention before you thought of it. Like I care about my kids' future more than they care about their future. Great are the wonderful things God has planned according to his faithfulness. In Psalm 91.4 it says that God he is protective in his faithfulness. He's like a faithful shield around us. Meaning that God is actually protecting you from some things that you never have to face. Because he's blocking them from you. There is some negativity that you don't even have to navigate because God's just shielding you from it. In our time, a lot of people are looking for haters. Seems kind of fun. Yeah, I got haters just hating on me. Man, God's blocking you from most of your haters. Don't even worry about it. He's shielding you. Meaning that the things that you do face, you can handle with him. God who is a shield has protected you from what you cannot handle. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, God is what? Faithful. Oh, this one I'm going to let through the shield. Why? Just to, to play mind games? No, because you can handle this. And we're going to grow some faith in the midst of this. If you keep on reading. Come on, you'd see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 that God saves us. According to his faithfulness. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, God is faithful and just when we confess our sins to forgive us and to purify us. Friend, you want to grow in some faith? Just look at the faithfulness of God. The part God plays in us developing faith is just being faithful. And when we look to him, we begin to look more like him.
If you're writing this down, number two, number two, faithfulness is faith activated. Faithfulness is faith in action. When you begin to put faith into action, what, what happens? You begin to live a life of faithfulness. You, you might have gotten it wrong thinking faithfulness is simply the person who can show up on time. Faithfulness is not necessarily, uh, you, you know, uh, promptness. Faithfulness is not necessarily keeping all the details together. Like, like to grow in faithfulness, it's not just get a better timekeeping apparatus. You know, like your, your calendar or your wife. Who helps make sure you get to the place you need to be on time. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is when you activate faith. It's possible to show up in the right place with the wrong attitude. Is that faithful? Not really. It's like all the fruit, by the way. All the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, we can counterfeit in our own strength. I, I, I can flatter. It looks like love, but when push comes to shove, there's nothing behind it. I can, I can give you hype. It's not real joy, though. My laziness looks a lot like peace, doesn't it? Waiting looks like patience. But that's just being human. You can wait with a bad, bad attitude and you've never even figured out how to be patient. Following rules is not self-control. Like, like the fruit of the Spirit. So faithfulness is not just, I showed up, I'm here, aren't I? It's faith activated. So, so like I said, I've played golf a few more times this season than others. Doesn't mean I'm getting better. I played two, two times last week. Nine holes each time, both because I was dropping off teenage kids who are like, Dad, we need a couple hours. I'm like, well, there's a course. I got my clubs. Perfect. First, first time I, I approached, got on a course, I was alone, and, and uh, the course was incredibly full. They said, we got a slot. We could slide you in right there. And so I got up to the first tee. I, oh, I had a lot of time, a lot of time to figure this thing out, and I stretched. I'm not usually a great stretcher. But I was, you know, doing all the stretches and I'm getting ready. Enough time to think a little bit too much about it. But for me, it's a lot about, you know, I just got to stop thinking about all these details. Get this weight shift thing right. So finally, it was my turn to hit and I came up, ooh, long and straight. Oh, I like it. Just like Proverbs promised, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and he will make your path straight. Oh my goodness, no slice, no hook in this. It's great. Oh, second hole, even better. Third hole, this could be the round of my life. Fourth hole, the wheels fell off. <laughs> Golf is hard. Now, now, I think there's a primary reason for this. Someone's like, I know, you're bad. That is probably also true. But the main reason this particular day was, was the course was so busy that it was like 15 minutes of waiting in between each shot. You, you, you can't go like... Faith, I, I sort of see it as that one time where you happen to get everything just right and go, woo, that's why we do it. Faithfulness is doing that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Faithfulness is I put in the practice, I put in the work, and I know how to do this in all situations and in all different, different circumstances. You can't develop faithfulness without activity. Without action, you can't grow more faithful. Does that make sense? I'm sitting around waiting 15 minutes in between answering emails on my phone. That's not the way to get better. You need to be in action. Look what it says in the book of James. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Uh, verse 14. If you could get there. James chapter 2 and verse 14. Someone's thinking, why is he so slow at getting to where he's supposed to go? Doesn't he know about bookmarks? James chapter 2, you there? Oh, you were all counting on the screen. Oh, okay. James chapter 2, check this out. Verse 14, it says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but they have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you were to say to them, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed. But you do nothing for their physical needs. What, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied with action, is dead. Imagine that. It looks faithful to say, I have belief that God can send you clothes and food. Now go and be with God. Well, what, what about allowing God to nudge us a little bit and be the supply? That, that's what faithfulness looks like. 
is I'm activating my faith. I believe that God is a provider. And because I, here I am, he's going to use me. I've tried to make a, a practice over the years of, of letting God nudge me instead of hitting me with a two by four. I've got enough welts back here to prove it that God sometimes needs to get my attention. I just want to be committed. God, just a nudge. That's all I need. So that means this week I, I was praying with my Ethiopian Uber driver who's believing for a, a work permit for his wife that he has not seen in two years. And we prayed together. I texted him this morning. She's got a big trial this week. I'll probably never see him again, but God nudged me. So it means that, that from time to time I might find myself in a coffee shop and go, mm, that person needs a coffee and just pay for it. Wow, so holy. I know, it's no big deal. But when God nudges, I want to I respond. When God just kind of speaks to my heart, I want to do something with it. The second time I got out onto the golf course, however, it was uh, near twilight. They had this deal. They said that you pay one price, play as many holes as you want until dark. I thought, this is perfect. The faster I play, the more I get to play. The goal of golf is not really fast and more. It's actually less. But, but I was like, man, this is great. I'm, I'm not just competitive. I'm also cheap, okay? And so I'm like, this is great. If I go fast, I get to play more holes. So no stretching, no preparation, no nothing. I just got up, thought, you know what to do, do it. Oh, boop, man, because I put in some work long and straight. This is great. And as I'm approaching the second hole, I'm like, okay, if I could just do that again, 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 and then actually improve a little bit, this is going to be a great round. That was like my mentality, rush, hustle. I approached the second hole, or the second tee box. I don't know if it's possible to hit the ball backwards, but I think I, I discovered something new. No preparation, no nothing. Why? Because faith isn't just uh, uh, growing in activation. It also takes time. It's not just big moments and grand gestures for the Lord. Now I have a person of faith. It takes time. That's why in Luke 17, the disciples are, are with, with Jesus and they say, here, can I hand you that? They, they, Jesus is talking to me and says, I want you to, to learn how to forgive because I'm forgiving. And if you need a good message on forgiveness, Pastor Richard spoke a killer message. You've got to go back and listen to that. It's on the podcast. You can find it online. And, and Jesus goes, I forgive, so I want you to forgive. They're like, okay, okay. We can do this how many times? And the rabbinic custom was to, to forgive three times. So Peter's like, I'm going to double it. I'm going to add one. And Jesus is going to go, thank you, Peter. You get me. Instead, Jesus goes, yeah. A little more than that. I'm thinking infinite, like 70 times. I just lose count. Just for, and their response, which makes sense, is they say, Lord, increase our faith. If we're going to do that thing, I need a greater quantity of faith. Jesus' response is, is, is clever. He goes, if you have faith, even like a mustard seed, which is tiny, you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and it will plant itself in the sea. A mulberry bush was known to, to grow for about 600 years with an incredibly advanced root system that went real down deep. What God was, was saying and what he's speaking to us about faith is, you don't need more of it. You just need to activate it by putting it in the ground and give it time. And even a little bit of faith, when it's put in the right place and right conditions, can uproot what's been in your world for a long, long time. Sometimes we think we need more faith. No, friend, you just need to give it more time. I was at the gym, and, and there was this guy who clearly hadn't been in a while, and he, he was trying to get back to the glory days. He was thinking way back to the good old days in high school. He's walking around the gym. He's got his short shorts on, and he's going, you got this. Oh, come on, you can do this. I'm like, oh, this guy's listened to a David Goggins podcast. He thinks he can go into beast mode. You got He's putting all the plates he can find onto the leg press machine. He's stealing them from other people. He's got, got that leg press machine so loaded that the, the bar is like bent, bent over. And then he, he finds the two biggest guys in the gym. He's like, I'm going to need your help on this one. And then he, he actually is like rallying people. Like he's a safety on a football team. He's like, check this out. Check this out. And he gets on the leg press machine. The thing's bent right down. And, he, he releases it, and as he does so, the, like the weight just crushes him. It falls down on him, and I, he's just... He's got like veins popping out of his neck, and then all of a sudden it goes quiet, because he literally goes unconscious. He's crushed under the weight. He's unconscious. As the guys start lifting the weight on him, he kind of rattles through. 
and, and thinks he's playing a role in it coming off. And then he stands back up and still got it! Still got it! And he, he crushes a protein shake and walks out of the gym. <laughs> Terrible way to work out. Terrible way to grow in faith. Some people are like, man, it's been, been a rough year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to God. Oh, God's been counting on me. I'm going to make a great gesture of faith. I'll read the whole Bible this week. Still got it. I got to skim most of it, but I'm doing it. You know? I'm going to come into church with more passion than anyone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sponsor more kids. Like I just got to find something to do. None of those are bad gestures. But faith is developed over time. That's why Jesus describes it as a seed. Weeds grow fast. Trees go slow. I want to be a tree. Weeds might look impressive in the moment. But trees will outlast them all. Faith grows over time. It's faith activated. Number three, if you're taking notes, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without God, it's impossible to have faith. In Hebrews 11, it says this very simply without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because the one who approaches me must believe I am and that I am a rewarder of those who earnestly seek me. How good is God? How good is God? He goes, when you approach me in faith, I'm not looking for sacrifice. I just want obedience. Just, just approach me in faith with an understanding that it's my pleasure to bless you. It's my job to reward you. I actually want to get blessing into your life. And if you don't have faith for that, it's not how this thing works. You can approach me, I just won't be happy about it. You can approach me thinking that you're doing me a favor, it just won't, won't result in the type of reward. I'm blessed when I reward you. I'm blessed when I get to pour it out into your life. God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. He wants a good thing for your future more than you do. Can you help me out? Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor. Come on. Come on, Airdrie. We got this. Say, neighbor. I'm not going to lie to you. God wants to reward you. Come on, turn to the person on the other side. Say, neighbor, I'm not going to lie to you. You were not my first choice. But God wants to reward you too. He goes, hey, I am not happy with a relationship where you think that you need to bring strength to the equation. I just want you to bring your heart. That's why it says in the word that the eyes of the Lord are searching about the earth for the hearts of those who are committed that he might come and strengthen them. God's not looking for you to bring your strength to the equation. Bring your desperation. He's not looking for you to bring solutions. Bring your problems. I had a person who's like, well, if I was God. If someone starts a sentence that way, just tune them out. The rest is stupid. Okay. If I was God. I wouldn't want people coming and bringing all their problems to me all the time. And I was like, hey man, thank God you're not God. You'd make a terrible God. Because God says that without faith, you can't please me. I want you to know that when you come to me, it's my job to pour reward into your life. I am your source and I am your supply. Well, where do I find that faith? Oh, don't worry. God also gives us that. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. God says that he saves us by his grace through faith. And it says, this is a gift from God, not by works, or we would boast. Well, what, what's a gift from God? The grace of the faith. Yes. That. He, he extends grace to us. And then when, even when we don't have the faith to pick it up, he's like, oh, I got you. I'll give you enough faith to believe. I'll take care of that. You, you, you don't need to bring anything to the equation but submission. Oh, that gets me excited. I love when, when a father is approaching Jesus and his child is in desperate need. And, and he goes, Lord, I believe, but help me because I don't believe. It's like, all you have to do is want to want it. And God's like, I got enough faith for you. He's like, oh, you need something? Here's some faith. Wow, I love that faith. I'm, I'll take that. Like, like, how low is the bar? 
How inviting is the Lord? How, how wonderful is his plan for our life that he wants us to live in his reward so much so that he goes, I'm going to need to see some faith out of you, but don't worry. I got enough faith to help you. So beautiful. So beautiful. And some of us are kind of pushing God away going, I got this. I, got, I can prove it to you, God. I've heard people pray things like this. God, if you do this one thing for me, I'll never ask for anything again. And he's like, no! I was going to until you said that. I want this relationship to stay connected. I'm not looking for you to be emancipated from this relationship. Independence is not my goal. Dependency and interdependence is the relationship that I'm looking for. Without faith, you can't please me. Because I'm a rewarder of those who earnestly seek me. Last point as the band comes back, if you want to write this down. Without faithfulness, there is no fruitfulness. Without faithfulness, there's no fruitfulness in your life. You, you, you can't grow any type of fruit without faithfulness. Why? Because fruitfulness is not an event. It's a process. You, 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 can't, you can't be joyful in one moment. The fruit of joy has an endurance to it that exists even in the midst of heartbreak. You, you can't be peaceful for a moment and say, I got it, did it. Peace has to endure through trial. Right? You, you, you can't be kind only when others are being kind. Jesus goes so far as to say this. When you throw a party, don't invite all your friends. They'll just invite you back. Hey, try extending some generosity to people who can never pay you back. Try developing some of the character that I have. Ooh, that's going to take some faith. Yeah, just look at my faithfulness. And as, you, as you look at my faithfulness, your faith will grow. And then don't sit on it. You need to activate it. Put it into practice. Give it time. I don't know if I have no faith. I got you. How good is God? But without faithfulness, there's no fruitfulness. We can't leave this as the, the neglected side project. That's why in, in Jeremiah chapter 17, I'm going to close with this today. Jeremiah chapter 17. Speaking about faithfulness, it gives us a, a picture. I think it's nice to paint a picture when you're trying to make a point. It kind of helps. Look at this, chapter 17, starting at verse 7. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They're like a tree that's planted by the water. It sends out its roots by the stream, and it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. What a great picture. Not just a seed, but a seed that has grown into a tree. Not just any tree, a tree planted in the right place. That's why it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. This is the right kind of faith to grow, place to grow faith. And when your roots go down deep, look at what happens. It says that even in times of drought, not just a day, some of us like, it's been a tough season. You had a bad day yesterday. That's not a season. Thursday was rough, okay? But here the Bible says, even in a year of drought, even in extended month upon month, going, man, this has just been tough. You don't have to worry about the output of your life. Why? Simply this, your, your leaves have stayed green. Now we know from science that, that it's, it's the, the, the filament, it's the, the green leaves that allow the, the tree to take the energy from the sun, mixed with the nutrients and the water from the roots, and to allow sun to cause growth. Without a green leaf, you're scorched. With green leaves, you grow. Situations that would burn others out, they cause you to grow. Because you're blessed. And so the, the trial that makes someone else throw in the towel, not you. Man, a marriage that could not sustain a heart, not your marriage. Your marriage is blessed. And so in the difficult times, that's where you grow in love. Man, in, in, in the hardships and the suffering, oh, that's where you grow in patience. That's why you had kids. Your leaves are always green. And so things that would destroy others, not you, they cause you to grow 
and to flourish. Without faithfulness, there's no fruitfulness. I think if you could get one thing right, it would probably be this one. If, you, if you're looking, you're like, okay, I need to develop more self-control. I'm going to have to learn to be more joyful. Ah, I'm going to work really hard at being joyful. Ah, it's really hard for me to be joyful, but I'm choosing joy. <laughs> Man, if you could just do one thing, just look at the faithfulness of God. Get lost in his wonder for a little bit. And as your faith grows, activate it, put it into practice, and you will find fruit beginning to develop in your life. A number of years ago, I'll end with this story. I, I was part of a church with a lot of locations and I was preaching in one of them that I wasn't at very often. And, and I'll be honest, it was kind of an okay message, not a great one. It was like that, that episode in the middle of a season of a TV show you like, you're like, ah, they mailed this one in. They just were waiting for the Christmas episode. They just kind of had to get through this one. It wasn't the greatest message I've ever preached for sure, but there was this lady in the back just bawling her eyes out the whole time. I'm like, someone needs to help that lady. When the service ended, she came, she came and approached me and she goes, do you remember me? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> My mind's going through, not high school, not college, not a workplace. And I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry, I, I don't. She goes, that's okay, you wouldn't. I'm like, Whew. She goes, there, there was this one time in a coffee shop. I'm like, yeah, that pans out, I was probably there. She goes, I was in the coffee shop and I was really crying. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Now you look familiar. It's the mascara stains, right? She goes, and, and, and you just, you bought my coffee. And you, you said, I hope, I hope your day gets better. Are you okay? And I didn't really want to talk, but, but I need you to know that, that that was the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. And I was like, oh man, that's so kind. Thank you so much for being here. And she goes, stop. I'm not done with the story. She goes, you, 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 you did that and it, it actually kind of changed the trajectory of my life. I just lost someone in my life and felt like I had given up in hope in humanity. And, and then you did that. And I thought that was real. I'm like, oh, thanks so much. She goes, stop, I'm not done. I actually wrote a, a memoir and I have a chapter about the nicest person I've ever met. It's a chapter in my book about you. You're part of my life story. I'm like, oh man, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, kind of kick the dirt. I'm like, thanks. She's like, stop, it's not done. She goes, this morning my husband dragged us to this church. I've never been to church before. And he said he thinks our family needs to go to church. So me and the kids, and, and I was kicking and screaming. And I walked in with my arms crossed thinking, all these Christian people, a bunch of hypocrites. I've seen them on TV. Probably just want my money. And then up onto the platform comes the nicest person I've ever met who extended generosity to me. And I just felt at ease. And I think, I think I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. So she got saved that day. Her and her whole family. And they began to grow in relationship with God. I don't share this story to boast. If anything, I share it with, with some weight of humility. What if I don't listen to God's nudge that day? What if when he goes, hey, just, yeah, just pay for the $4 coffee. I'm like, eh, I could use this $4 for something else. You see, it wasn't just the seed put in the ground that day. It was the process of time and then being willing also that morning to get up and preach, even when I felt like I didn't have my best message. Sometimes we think life's all about us. Fruit is about us. We are not the consumers of the fruit. We, we actually are the conduits. God wants to grow and develop fruit in us that blesses other people. And we look at every situation and go, what is God trying to tell me? Maybe God's trying to tell the world something through you. So maybe just, just be more like a tree. Just keep those roots down. Keep those leaves green. And don't worry about seasons that are dry. You're going to grow through that season. You're going to prosper through that season. You're going to flourish in that season. You will never fail to bear fruit. In Jesus' name. Let me pray a blessing over you across the room if you would bow your heads. Jesus, I pray right now for Venue Church. May this be a house of blessing. May this be a stream of living water. Where when we put our roots down, we see the effectiveness of your work in our life. God, I pray blessing on every household represented here, on every business, on every person, all that your wonderful works that you have been planning in advance would be realized in our life according to your faithfulness. Thank you for choosing us today. Thank you for protecting us today. 
Thank you, God, for extending salvation to us today. Thank you for sanctifying us today. Thank you that your compassions are never failing today and that you're trustworthy to all your promises today as we look to you in faith. God, may may faithfulness be the activation of our life. Help us to learn to lean, to get quicker at leaning off our own understanding and leaning in to all your promises across the room with eyes closed, with heads bowed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, he's talking to you today. You might know this because you feel almost like, it's like, man, someone's knocking on my heart. That's what the Bible says. It says God knocks on the door of our heart. And if we would answer him, he'll come in and he'll initiate relationship with us, an eternal relationship. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, he's calling you today. Or maybe you came into church and said, I need to get my life right with God. I'm, I'm way off base. I'm not aligned with God. I need to get back in a place of, of submission to God and start. Don't be the guy who tries to prove it all in one day. Just put in a seat of faith. If that's you today, I'm going to pray with you with eyes closed and heads bowed. If that's you, just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with. See, I'm making my life right with God today. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Who else? You say, that's me today. Yeah, I see you. Who else? You say, that's me. I got to make my life right with God. I'm repenting. I'm receiving. Yeah, I see you. Just one more time. There might be someone saying, if he says it one more time, maybe that's God's sign. God loves you, man. Young lady, God loves you. Yeah, I see you in the back. Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer together. Venue Church, if you would join me in this, let's, let's do this together, okay? Dear Jesus, thank you for calling me. Today, I'm answering your call. I say you're Lord of my life. I repent of my sin and I receive your grace. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for your faithfulness that we can trust in your ability not only to meet us in this moment but to help us grow day by day. May your blessing be manifest in this house. In your name we pray. And if you believe that in your heart, would you say amen? Come on, would you say amen? Let's get up on our feet. We're going to worship God. We're going to take a moment in response.